Being removed from our routines is scary. Routines are kind of how we understand our world. And even, even the smallest disruption can kind of make us lose our whole day. Traffic is late. Your alarm clock doesn't go off. Kids won't get out of bed. And sometimes it's the other way around, too. Alarm clock, you wake up before your alarm clock. Traffic is light, you get there early, like everything is going well, and even that kind of throws us off. And right now, at the time of this recording, the U.S. has just started in the last couple weeks to tell everyone to stay in their homes for coronavirus. And if you want to talk about a disruption to your daily routine, being told you have to stay in the house and do not leave unless absolutely necessary disrupts everything. And it's easy to get focused on the disruption. Oh, if only I could go outside, I could do this or that. Or if only traffic wasn't like this, I could have done this. It's easy to focus on that. I want to look at things a different way today. I want to look at the opportunities that we have in those disruptions. Welcome to the Single Parent Preacher. My name is Alex. Now, this seems weird because most of the time when we think about this, it's frustrating. It's the traffic. It's this didn't work, that didn't work, whatever. Right now, it's nothing works. We can't go anywhere, depending on what state you're in. In my state, we can't go anywhere. And I have a history of being pessimistic, getting stuck in the distractions. And one of the things God has been working on me with is looking at the positive, looking at the opportunity in trying times. And in this time of routine disruption, in this time of being isolated, things being completely off your routine, people are talking about all the things they're getting to do now. Spend more time with their kids. They're trying new hobbies. They're trying all these things they didn't do before because they were in their routine. And I think there's something to learn from the disruptions. I think there's something to learn in isolation. Now, even if your only isolation, because this recording is going to exist past this coronavirus, everybody stay inside order, even if it's in your car ride to work, or maybe you take public transportation and you put in headphones and you pretend like nobody's around you, even if that's all you have, God wants to speak to you there. When you feel lonely, that's one of the times that God, I think, really, really speaks to us. Because God likes to pull us out from what we're comfortable with so that we can get something new, a new understanding, a new direction. And if you look in the Bible, it starts early. Go to Genesis chapter 12, starting at the very beginning, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred in your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So, Abram, who later becomes known as Abraham, is told to leave his country, leave his kindred, his family, his father's house. It's not just physically leaving there's also a leaving of belief here, too. Can you imagine the conversation Abram goes to his parents? Hey, I'm leaving. God told me to go. They'd probably be like, which God? It's very polytheistic then. 
And so Abram leaves. He leaves everything he knew. Now, he wasn't totally alone. He brought his wife. Probably a good idea. His nephew, Lot. Works out pretty well for Lot, not so much for Lot's wife. And the people they had acquired. Their slaves. We have to remember the times that the Bible was written in. So he's certainly not alone, but he's being brought to a strange place. His routines are being left behind in favor of this new thing, this new promise, new direction. And as we know now, this promise is fulfilled. Abraham had many sons, and many sons had Father Abraham. But that wouldn't have happened if he hadn't been pulled away from what he knew into something different. And now that's the start of the story of the Israelites. If we go to Exodus 3, we see a later continuation, one of the other fathers in Moses, because they're now enslaved in Egypt. And Moses' life like starts in isolation. He goes through these bouts, these ups and downs. And somehow I always forget the part of the story where Moses is put in a basket and floated down the Nile River because Israelite women weren't allowed to have boys. But Moses gets picked up by Pharaoh's daughter and gets raised in the house of Pharaoh. And then one day he kills an Egyptian and he runs. So when we reach Exodus 3... Moses is in exile because he's a murderer. Verse 1 says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Moses and some sheep. I don't know if there's any other indication that Moses was married either. Was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro. And that gets interesting when you read the rest of this passage. Go to verse 2. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him, in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. When the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses. And he said, Here I am. Then he said, Do not come near. Take off, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. So Moses is out by himself in a place he's probably been before with his sheep. Just going to guess, shepherds did not routinely go out to strange places they didn't know with their sheep because they wouldn't know if it was safe. So he's been here before. And he knows what fire is, and he knows that fire consumes things, and he sees a bush not being consumed, and he does sort of a, ooh, what's this shiny object? And it turns out the shiny object is God Almighty, and he has a message and a new direction from Moses. Spare a thought from Moses' wife when he comes back from shepherding and says, I saw a bush that didn't get consumed by fire. And God told me I need to go free our people from Egypt. I'm just envisioning family meeting right now. We are discussing this. That's what would happen in today's society. (laughs) But God flipped Moses completely on his head. His direction 
completely changed. And he went from being an exile, a runaway, and a murderer to the man God used to free his people from slavery. It's a big turn. That's a something only God could do sort of turn. And this doesn't stop with Moses. I'm not going to go through all the verses, but just off the top of my head, David was by himself shepherding when Samuel showed up to his dad Jesse's door and they checked all of the other sons and Samuel's like, do you have anybody else? Jesse's like, yeah, well, there's David, but he's out in the field. David and Goliath. Yeah, the Philistine army is on one side and the Israelite army is on the other, but they basically made sort of a fight circle. That's how a movie would depict it, is they made a fight circle and it's got David on one side and Goliath on the other. Nobody was going to come in and help David. And then David, even with his soldiers, ran from Saul for 10 years. And in this time, you see David learn humility and learn grace. Now, isolation can be dangerous if your focus is wrong. Because also in the story of David, we have the sin with Bathsheba. And David is, for all we know, by himself, looking out the window and sees Bathsheba by herself taking a bath. And we see that David is no longer focused on what God wants. David is focused on the bathing woman, which causes a line of bad decisions. So remember where your focus needs to be when you're in these isolating moments where it's just you and your thoughts and your routine has been upset. And you're like, what do I do now? It's easy to go into distractions. Stream this, social media that, play this. That's the easy thing. What we're supposed to do is we're supposed to keep our eyes on him. That way we don't get distracted and go down a line of bad decisions. Now, if we move from David, we have Elijah, who spent a fair amount of time by himself. But you probably know the story of Elijah going to the cave and there was an earthquake, and the winds, and the fire, and the still small voice of God. Elijah was by himself, and he was depressed, and he was scared, and God gave him new direction and new understanding. Jonah. Jonah's like a story of not really having your focus right, and God continually putting you in situations of isolation to try to get it through to you. Jonah gets called to go to Nineveh. He doesn't go. It was almost a shipwreck. And Jonah's like, okay, I did it. Throws over. He's in the belly of the fish for three days. That's not only isolating, it's stinky. He goes to Nineveh. He says one sentence. Nineveh repents. He gets whiny. He goes off and God covers him with a plant and then doesn't cover him with a plant. Then he whines about not having the plant anymore. That's like if you really wanted to see the effect of God continually trying to teach the same lesson to someone, read Jonah. And then think about your life. And I don't mean compare it to what Jonah went through. I mean, do you keep ending up in situations over and over and over again that are frighteningly similar and it never seems like it changes? If you do, God is trying to teach you a lesson. He is trying to give you new direction 
a new understanding, a new way to approach the situation in one way that will glorify him. Not you, not somebody else. Glorify him. Could be trying to chisel away at some hardness on your heart, some stubbornness in your mind. Maybe even bring some healing to past pain that you've built a wall up around. And you go through these situations time and time and time again. It's almost a routine to go through situations like that. But when you learn the lesson, when you focus on God, when you change your ways, then it stops. And you can move in that new direction, in that new understanding. There are more examples, but I want to get to the next set of verses that I have. And that's Jesus. Now, the Gospels talk a lot about how Jesus went off by himself to pray. The Garden of Gethsemane, we know he brings his disciples, but they all fall asleep, so he's by himself. He gets dragged away, he gets arrested, beaten, flogged, crown of thorns, all of that. All his friends leave him, so he's just surrounded by all the people who are either executing his sentence, the Romans, or hate him. And I say it that way because I'm not so sure the Romans cared that much. They cared about keeping the peace. Pilate wanted to free him. And after he dies and the sky goes dark and there's an earthquake, the guard who says, truly, this was the son of God. Clearly, the Romans were open to something here. At least some of them were. But this is a different type of isolation. Matthew 27, starting in verse 45. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lema sabachthani. I hope I got that right. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Remember that Jesus is 100% God. Him and the Father are one. Him and the Holy Spirit are one. The Trinity They had never been separated before. But as the weight of the sin of every person for all time is put onto Jesus, there's a separation because God cannot be in the presence of sin. It can't be connected to him. So for the first time in eternity, Jesus felt separated. Think about the longest tenured friend you have. Or even your parents, your parents who have known you literally your whole life. And think about if there had never been any separation between you at all, and then suddenly there was. Now take that and figure the, multiply that time by literal infinity. And that's what Jesus is experiencing right here. Now the rest of the story is he goes down and he takes the keys of death away and then he raises from the dead and there's victory he conquered death it was a new understanding and a new direction but not for jesus it was for us and that's the thing all of these examples and all the examples in your life when you change it doesn't just affect you it affects everyone around you if you decide you are going to follow after jesus that affects everyone around you. If you decide you're not, that affects everyone around you. So when we go through these times of 
social distancing and isolation and feeling lonely, there are lessons to be learned and how you respond and how you learn affects not just you. It affects everyone you know. Some people will like it. Some people won't. You may lose some friends. You may gain some new ones. But if the direction that you're going is towards God, then that's good. And I want to caution one thing here. If you do decide you're going to change, why are you doing it? And really examine yourself on this one. Really examine. Really think about this. Because you can say, I'm doing it to get closer to God. I'm doing it to glorify God. You can say that. But James 3.16, James, not John, James 3.16 says this, For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So you can say that you're doing it to pursue God, but if in your heart of hearts you're doing it because you feel inferior to other people, and you want their success, their blessings, their life, then that's not the right heart to do it with. Or if you're doing it because it's going, you think it's going to make you look better, not in God's eyes, but in other people's eyes, that's not the right heart to do it with. It can't be about you, which seems to be the lesson that God tries to teach over and over again in the Bible when he pulls these people aside. Abram is told a great nation will come from him. Moses is told to free his nation. David becomes the king through David's line. The Messiah will be born. Jonah saves a whole city and still doesn't really get it. Paul, I didn't mention Paul earlier. Paul gets jailed and kidnapped and beaten and Stone and all of these things happen to him, and over and over he repeats the same thought. I had all these things going for me, but I counted all loss for the sake of Christ. The lesson is it's not about you. The lesson you learn when you're by yourself is that it's not about you. Dangerous things can happen if you're just by yourself all the time. We need other people, but other people are not tools. They are not pawns for us to use to make ourselves feel better. We're here for each other. And maybe you can only be there for someone virtually, text message, pen pal, Skype, social media. Maybe the only way you can be there for somebody is do a podcast. And somebody out there hears it and knows that they're not alone. But I think the biggest lesson we can learn when we're by ourselves is how much life is not about us. It's about how we affect the people around us. You know, there's the phrase, integrity is who you are when no one is looking. But you carry that same integrity when people are looking. So I believe what God wants us to do is that when we're alone, to build our integrity, to grow it, to grow in our relationship with him that way, When we go see other people, they see that in us. They see God's integrity. And when we live like that, we're not isolated and we're not alone. Let's pray. God, we thank you that we are not alone, that you are there with us. I just pray real quick and real simple that we would learn the lessons that you have for us, that we would not be so focused on ourselves 
that we would miss the opportunities we have to bless the people around us and to get your direction in for our lives. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can find me on Twitter at SPPreacherPod. You can email me at thesingleparentpreacher at gmail.com. Thank you, as always, for your time. And until next time, remember, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's not about us. It's about God.